All right, and welcome to Hattrick Sports Talk. Back as always for the Friday edition. I'm here as always with Brandon and Shane. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. How about you? Good. How about you, Brandon? Pretty good. All right, let's get started with Thursday Night Football and what was a game between, I'll be honest, like two of the worst teams in the NFL, including the Eagles. That was horrible <laughs> in so many different ways. Uh, but, Brandon, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts on Thursday Night Football? Uh, it was super boring. I only, like, half watched it. Like, I had it on in the background, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. But man, it. I said this to Shane after the game ended. I was like, you know, the Giants just can't catch a break. The Giants can't catch a break. Yeah, they just can't catch a break because, like, you look at me. You look at. There's only maybe one game this year they've played that I would argue that they have gotten shellacked. Which would have been one? the game? No, it was the game against the 49ers. Okay, yeah, that's I think fair. they got outplayed in the game against the 49ers. They didn't even get outplayed against the Eagles last night. They certainly didn't get outplayed against the Giant against the Dallas Cowboys. Like, they just are a team that can't finish, and it bothers me because they're like right there on the edge. Like they have players they need a couple more pieces and they honestly, they need a better coach. <laughs> you don't like Joe judge. What's wrong? You were six game. We're seven games okay. in. You're already doubting Joe judge. He's doing, here's the thing. I didn't like it from the beginning. Here's the thing. Hear me out. Why go out and get a, co- a coach who's unproven in the NFL when you could get someone who has experience, which is what you would want for a team that needs more balance. I agree, but also there were no coaching candidates that really wanted to go to New York other than Joe Judge by the end of it. That's fair. I mean, here, here's my thing about, about – And maybe the, Carolina's uh, coach. Here's, here's my thing about the Giants, you know. The Giants sort of feel like – the 2000 and I think it was like the 09 uh, or no, the 08. Was it the 08? I'm a, the 08 Seahawks, the one, the year where Charlie Whitehurst, uh, no, the 09 Seahawks, the one, that where was Charlie, 09. the one where Charlie Whitehurst played a lot of it. He played like and five games, four or he five. Played five games and we had Hasselback and whatnot. Like, we had okay quarterback play. We had we had aging wide receivers who could still play. We had a good some good aspects, and we had Jim Mora. So my point being, I wouldn't jump to conclusions and say a team is bad just because they're not being able to win. Just because they're not able to win. There's a difference between Giants bad. And Jets bad. The <laughs> Jets are just like gap. Jets are just dysfunctional. Giants have pieces; they're just not able to win at this point. And and what you said about Joe Judge, I'd say I think is fair. I think it's not fair to. I think it's not fair to like, like, 
not give a coach at least two years, especially if a coach is like losing close games, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really know what they need to, what, what, I don't know what they can do to, to, I think it's a mental thing right now. I mean, last night, I truly thought they were going to win that game. Yeah. Um, I think Daniel Jones just threw one, one interception too much. Uh, Shane, so. your thoughts on that? You know, I, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, the Giants, it's like there's, to me, there's there's something there. It just needs to come together. Um, and I don't know what that missing piece is. I think it's just, like you said, probably a mental thing. Just not, you know, just getting over this hump of, you know, being on this losing not streak, but just the losing mentality, you know, and, you know, getting over the whole turnover thing and just starting to play more consistent. I think that would help them a lot. Um, because, I mean, if you looked at, you know, defensively, they they actually looked pretty good last night. I mean, they made some good good plays in the secondary. You got pressure and wins. Grant offense. Isn't the Eagles' offensive line isn't healthy, but not all the way, at least. Um, but you know, I think that they, you know, there could be something there. I, I think they just, I think they, I agree. I think they need a better coach. I don't think Joe Judges was ever the right guy, um, and you know, I, I just think that they need to get their confidence back. That would be a big thing because. Especially when you look at this division, I mean, any of those teams could very easily win it at this point, just if if they step up and just play a little better than the other people. Um, but the Giants, to me, kind of, to me, they're they're like the Chargers, you know, or it's like they uh they have, you know, they get close, they almost win. But then in the end, they just can't quite pull it off. I think the Chargers are better. Um, but, yeah, it's the same kind of idea to me. No, no. let me ask you this question, though. It's not about who's better now. Who has the better future, Chargers or Giants? Giants. Mm. Chargers. I say Chargers. Brandon, why do you say Giants it's have close, a better future? But I, think I don't think Giants- it's close at all. I think Giants have more tangible pieces currently. And I think the problem is the I see the Chargers Well, the Chargers are a more now team than a future team. I will say that. Right, yeah. But like the but, Chargers if you're having a conversation about who's going to be better in the next two or three years, I think it'll be Chargers. I think the Giants are going to be a team that will, like, when they get there, they will be dominant. Like, I think they have the pieces. They just have a bunch of young pieces that need to learn how to play in the NFL. Okay, so let, let me let me throw my two cents in here with the Giants. Without Saquon, they're really weird to watch. In fact, they're difficult to watch. Saquon makes that team go. And I feel frustrated for Daniel Jones 
because well, yeah, th- I mean this this is an opportunity for him to show. We all know he's the franchise quarterback. That's why I'm right. not even doubting Joe Judge because I doubted I doubted Daniel Jones. I think we know he's the guy. I'm not gonna say he isn't the guy. It's his time to show out and play at a high level. Devontae Freeman is now out. He he's been okay, but let's be honest, that running back crew is not the same as a tandem than Saquon. This is his opportunity, but that offensive line is torturous. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it is torture. Like, Will Hernandez, who they picked up in the draft two years ago, he had a holding penalty in this game that I didn't really like, and I was just really fr- – like, this offensive line just as a whole is going to hurt a bunch of those players' developments like Will Hernandez. Yeah, instance. honestly, honestly, Robert, I would, I would think if they went out and they picked up a veteran center – and plopped him right in the middle of that line, it instantly becomes better. Well, hang on. This is the, so. So you bring up an interesting point. So Kevin Zeitler, who we're going to talk about later in our in our segment about trade rumors, they had um, Nate Solder last oh, year. Oh yeah, but I don't know why they got rid of him. Like they well, I don't know, but keep. I think they still have him. But keep in mind, he was on a massive contract, and he was horrible. Yeah, that's true. Literally, the only tangible offensive linemen are Zeitler and Will Hernandez right now. Let's be honest. Well, here's an interesting. Here's here would be an interesting pickup. I would throw out there, right? We all know a great center who is currently unemployed. Oh yeah, Justin Britt. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good call. That's a good why call. Why not? Why would you not go out and? Pick, I mean, Justin. At Britt, least work him out. He, like I don't understand why other teams look at the man. I don't like understand the, why other teams haven't right. worked him out. Like the Seahawks brought him in, and I think the only reason they didn't pick him up is because they tr- wanted to keep the money for for midseason for like trade. Uh, Deadline. Um, we'll talk about the guy that they're planning but, on picking but, up. But um, I just wanted to to point out, going back to uh, uh, Danny Dimes, um, which by the way I think is the best nickname for a quarterback. It's so who, bad, but I'm sorry. The to best like nickname. It's the best nickname for a quarterback <laughs> who folks definitely does not throw dimes right now. Um, did you see his 80 yard run? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Should have been a touchdown, <laughs> but he tripped over his big ass feet. So so here's the thing. Two things that I thought in that moment. You got to one, 21 miles an hour during that. It's hilarious. It's like it was great. Uh, Leonard Williams. Fast. Leonard Williams loved it on the sideline. I'm still a big Leonard Williams guy. Hasn't performed Pat, to a high level, Patrick but I still love Mahomes him. Patrick Mahomes tweeted about it. What did he say? He he said I can't. He said uh, <laughs> what Patrick did, Mahomes. What did Patty said, Mahomes say, man? He or said Patrick. I mean I can't I can't even say anything because I would never be able to run that far either fair um, um but i just thought, found it hilarious seeing this like tall white dude just like running 80 yards and trip over his own feet so, so it was so perfect because even the nfl youtube account i believe wrote this and i was like this is fantastic the nfc east in a nutshell or something like that and i was <laughs> yeah. like i was like yes yeah. but it's yeah. also the, like i was like <laughs> how giants would Savage. it be how how perfect would it be if they didn't score a touchdown like imagine if like a like yeah. who who That's was the it? first like, thing I thought. Yeah, like after like, that, yeah, after that run, he did he didn't score. He, I, the, my first thought was they're not going to score, are they? Well, that touchdown. <laughs> they did, of course. The game. But... 
Think about it. Like that would have well, been no. Was, I, the the Evan Ingram one should have I mean, won them the game. Well, from but... everything we know about the game, that would have given them the points to win. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, but but they did score a touchdown in the end, if it, only because of a pass interference call. Devontae Freeman, I believe, ran it in. But with the Giants right now, I'm just like in a really weird spot. Like, okay, yeah, they have young pieces. That defense is. I mean, they picked up Logan Ryan. He made up. I think he made a pretty big play at the end there. Um, even though they still lost. I mean, honestly, like the, the, their, their secondary doesn't have any developmental pieces. Pretty much their whole defense, I would say, doesn't really have many developmental pieces. I think Larry Williams has pretty much established what he is now. At this point, that defense is the biggest issue and that offensive line. Well, no, I think the offensive line is the biggest issue and then the defense. But right now, I just they're going to have to do so much roster shifting in the next couple of years compared yeah. to the chargers who are really not going to have to do that under Herbert right now. They also just have a lot of veteran pieces in there. Yeah. That's that part of my problem. Just kind of not helping. I mean, I, their whole wide receiver core is pretty old. Well, I mean, I mean, Golden Tate up the age Tate. a little bit. Sterling Shepard is pretty much established at this point. Darius Slayton is still growing. I know Shane, Ingram's you have him on your fantasy good. team. Ingram, um, what is happening with Ingram? What is happening with him? He has not looked good this year, and it's frustrating yeah. me. It really is because he's a much better player than he's shown this year. Can, can we can we have like a short conversation about the like the NFC East as a as a yeah, whole? I think this is. The Am right time I to do going that. to be the only one? out of the three of us who is pissed off anybody who from the NFC East gets to play in the playoffs. Cause I know it's going to happen, but like it shouldn't, uh, it Shane, should not. Shane, Shane, go ahead before I speak. This is my whole damn point that I've been saying for years. Why not everybody in a division or why? No, hold on. I rephrase that. Why just because you win your division does not mean you should be given a top four seed because then because right now the Eagles are projected to finish six nine and one and win the division. Okay, Arf. a six win team in the with playoffs. a tie with a tie. Oh my with, god, they would beat the no, no. Seahawks record. They would beat the Seahawks nonsense from two thousand and nine. Yeah, they would because yeah. they went, we went seven and nine. Yeah. Oh my god. But, but see, that's the thing. Like. Even even if it were the Seahawks, I wouldn't want them in there. They didn't earn it. Yeah. Okay. No. So if if a team goes, let's say the Eagles do go six nine and one, so they're going to get the fourth seed, and then a team like uh, Green Bay, if they don't win the division, that's Chicago is currently Houston, predicted to win. Or no, we're talking the NFC, no, so I'm not sure Houston. who it would be. Chicago. No, no, no. Chicago, um, I would say, maybe at this point. Like Chicago, uh, Tampa, New Orleans, you know, uh, L.A., you know, like a, an 11-5 and five team or whatever, has to go on the road in the first round of their playoffs to a team across the freaking country who didn't <laughs> who didn't even yeah, earn their the spot in the playoffs. The exact same thing happened last year. Seattle had to go to yeah. Philly, which, by the way, pissed me off to no extent because we were the better team. But Philly had 10 wins. Exactly. Nine. Oh, they had, they had nine, nine wins. wins. They had they nine had wins. Yeah, they had nine. Wins. That's right. And they had because nine. we didn't win our division, 
because of that goal line stand, which I will forever not agree with you, Robert. Oh my God. That uh, was the best goal line stand maybe ever. ever. It was so good. Even more it of a 49ers tri- diehard. No, um, dude, it was awesome. Dre Greenlaw like hit him straight never. up. It was um, but yeah, I agree with Shane. Like there needs to be a new way of deciding. But the pro- at the same time, the problem is this, right? You have you're you you're gonna have a bunch of people being like, oh, it's not fair that my division doesn't get I would say get good. Get well, better, have better teams. Well, hang on. Here's the problem. The only reason we're having this conversation is because of one division. Right. That's and, part and of the problem. Yeah. That's I part mean, of the problem here. Here's it's the not four divisions. It's right. not two. It's one. Right. Division but here's that the thing. has sucked for the last five here's, years. Here's the thing. People had this exact same conversation about the NFC West from the year 2007 to the year 2010. And even I would then, say 12, but either 12, way. And even then, when the Seahawks got good in 2012, and it, the was Niners. Still, it was still the Seahawks above and, and, and then everybody else. Right. But like, it's, and it was like the Seahawks and the Niners by that right. point. But yeah, but that's the problem. It's like, are we – so I'm not saying that this is a necessary – I'm starting to open up to the fact that this, this is a pretty good idea of how to change it. But if they were going to do it, why didn't they do it last year during the CBA? I mean, if you're going to bump the teams up to seven, why didn't they just do it last year? Because uh, no team wants to – no division's going to voluntarily bring up the idea of, hey, you don't let's, think a team... let's not have a guaranteed playoff. Well, hang on. Do you because don't think there's bonus- any team do – they- do they not get bonuses for making the playoffs? There, it's. I think it's the – I think in the NFL it's the pool thing, like baseball. I think it's like a pool thing. I'm not sure though. Right. It might still be just salary base, but I, but the problem that I have is like, okay, that's the, the first thing is you make a, a good point is does an owner, does a team bring it up? I don't think that's likely, but I can't keep having this conversation every year and going, Oh, the NFC East is so bad every single year. We have to keep having this conversation. But is it that bad every year? Like they, They've been so bad the last five years, have they not? I mean, other than other than the what Eagles was won it? The Super Bowl Jack- two years ago. <laughs> the Eagles won I mean, the Super Bowl two NFC years ago. NFC East. But- Let's see, NFC East. I mean, going I'm going not- back to 2017. 2017. Well, well, it's not just an NFC East problem here. For me, it's just whoever is the bad division. I mean, that's in the, the NFC, the, the East in 2017, they had like Eagles had 13 wins, Cowboys nine, Washington seven. I mean, the Cowboys, for all we like to trash on them, they haven't been exactly atrocious. No, but they're, tr- they're atrocious to the standard that we expect the Cowboys to be, which is overboard standard. But- right, but I think Shane is correct. The conversation here shouldn't be about one specific division. It's about the idea that every year there is one division that doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs. Go to a go to a let la, geez, what's a good year? Or even okay, or even if they 2015. do twenty fifteen. Even yeah, if they give do me give me like well, hang on. But here's my here's my question. So, in 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 this, I'm trying to figure out if there's ever been a year over the last five years. This might take some extensive research, but let's say the last five years has there ever? I'm certain there hasn't consistently AFC been South. a year, year where a team a- who's nine and seven well goes to the playoffs. And even then, 
are we Texans. not expecting? Are we not expecting an eight and eight team to make Titans the playoffs? Year, nine and seven. Texans in twenty fifteen went to the playoffs with nine and seven. Well, okay, if nine and nine and seven is always my benchmark. If you go nine and seven, you probably should have a shot to make the playoffs. But especially at this format, guys, like in this format, nine and seven teams have an easy way in. In this format, eight and eight teams have a shot. Realistically, Titans and Texans tied at nine and seven in 2016. Let's see. I, I remember in the early two thousand in the in the early twenty tens, there were a bunch of teams that like just were terrible. But but Shane, here's my question to you, and I think this is important. If we're so we're in a seven, we're we have seven team, you know, this seven team playoff thing. Mm-hmm. So in that instance, a nine and seven team, an eight and eight team is probably going to make it in, right? That's just a given. Yeah. Are you? Would it be better? It, and I think I think this is kind of where I'm getting at and where I'm starting to kind of understand your point. Would it be better if we stick with the divisions, but we say to ourselves, if you went we're going to go based off record for seeding overall record by conference based on seeding. So like the Eagles going six wins, they're, they're the seventh seed, not the four seed. Wouldn't that be better? Isn't that just even get in. Okay, fine. But let's say, let's say for instance, the league doesn't want to go away with divisions. Would it, would you be fine with them just saying, okay, they're a seven. That would be better. Yeah. I mean, it's like because um, that seems to be the simplest fix based on how the NFL wants to do things moving forward. A, a good example of this would be twenty the twenty thirteen fourteen season. The Seahawks went thirteen and three, and they were the first seed. And the Forty ers were twelve and four, and they were the second seed, or sorry, the fifth seed. Yeah. Doesn't it make more sense if they are? the second seed instead. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's instead what I'm saying. Being, That's instead of having to go on the road because like their first wild card game was against the four seed green Bay Packers who were on seven, the road. Eight, one. Yeah. On the road, on the road in that cold weather game. Remember that game was like cold weather. It might've snowed, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I think that's the easiest fix here. I think I don't so, think we get rid of divisions. I think we just say, no, don't get rid of divisions. Just, We'll yeah. not get this rid of is... divisions, but get rid of division. You're, you're saying a wider spectrum of saying, hey, let's get rid of div- if you win the division, you make the playoffs. I'm saying the NFL won't do that. Why don't we just do seating? Here's a weird. Yeah, no. Yeah, so, like I, I, I don't yeah. think really quickly. I just don't think like, no, I don't think you should get rid of divisions. You know, it's still fun to have those division right. rivalries, whatever. Just don't consider it in terms of playoff seating. Yeah, but just, my yeah. my. By conference, but my point, right? But my point is, yeah. let's keep the divisions because the NFL is not going to change that. Let's be honest; no owner, no, no team's going to do that. So let's just say seeding. If you go seven and nine or eight and eight, you're at the bottom of the barrel, right? Regardless of your, regardless of if you win a division. <clears throat> so yeah. I was going to say this is in my searching for all, at all the different divisions, the weirdest divisional shakeup I've seen of all time. Do you know who made up the NFC West until 2001? Oh, yeah, the, 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 that whole Rams shift with the division. and 49ers, the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Saints. 
Yeah, this was back. This was back in the day when the uh, what was it? The what Seahawks the were an a- the Seahawks were an AFC West team. First of all, <laughs> who the hell thinks that New Orleans Saints should be in the West? I don't know. The, the Panthers. Falcons, well, I mean, if you think about it, those three teams. North Carolina is literally on the East right. Coast. Well, no, if you think about it, the the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Saints all broke off and became part of their own division division. and added one (laughs) other team. But here's, but here's my question. How many divisions that we have now make sense geographically? Do all of them make sense? Only the, only the NFC West. You think Arizona? Cause they're, you know, well, that's still West though. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some of them just don't make a lot of a ton of sense. Like Like the the, the NFC Miami. Is in the same division as Tom, as uh, the Patriots. It's just like, okay, sure. I mean, it's not, yeah. Yo, they should have a division based upon weather. Just have it the, just <laughs> like the NFC freezing cold. Why the, the hell North. are we playing? There you go. Yeah, the AFC North. Why are we playing in this ton- frozen? Isn't that tundra? basically the AFC North? Isn't that basically the NFC North? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> much. No, Chicago, AFC. Detroit. Green Bay, NFC North. They Green all Bay, play in domes for the most part. Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota's now playing in a dome over what was that three years and ago? Detroit. It should be, no, you could call it the. You should call it the <laughs> NFC wannabe Canadians. <laughs> oh, so then you know, they're Buffalo? all like by the border. Buffalo. Yeah. My my one of my favorite cities in all of America. Um, so Shane, let me go to you and talk about the Eagles now. Um, where. <laughs> Where, um, okay, how do you feel? Oh, I guess it's a simple question. How do you feel about the Eagles? How do you feel about Carson Wentz right now after this game? Do you feel any better about them, or are they kind of the, nope. the same length as the Giants right now for you? Yeah, no, I do not like them at all. Um, I think uh, Carson Wentz, he looked really sloppy. Uh, his accuracy was all over the place. Um he barely had any time to make throws. <clears throat> I, I don't, you know, luckily their secondary made a couple of turnovers. Otherwise I don't think they would have won. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I do not, I do not like where this team is going and I don't know where this is coming from. Um, I guess injuries, but I mean, you know, they looked really good the last few games last year. And so we were thinking, oh, they're, you know, they're going to improve and uh, win 11 games or something. And then, uh, well, you know, here we are. So <clears throat> I, it's very, very weird. I don't know what to make of them. Um, I don't, I mean, I think they'll probably win the NFC East. So that's kind of depressing, but you know, <laughs> do what you will with that, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I'm not sure. I'm not sure, uh, you know, how this happened or why, but yeah, I guess it, it did. So. Yep. Got to roll with the punches. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Let's go to the Sunday slate. Uh, Sunday slate is pretty fun. I would say so. Uh, let's we Steelers Titans, uh, uh, of course, being switched because uh-huh. of COVID. Um, 
But uh, Brandon, I'll go to you. 10 o'clock slate, uh, not too low, but an interesting one nonetheless. What's a game you're looking forward to here? Hmm. Well, uh, I just noticed that most of these teams are like really good team versus a really bad team. Um, yeah. I would say Steelers Titans. Yeah. Because it's the only it's the undefeated versus undefeated. Um like and to me it's like legit five and zero versus fake five and zero. Um who's the fake five and zero? Titans are the fake um, five and zero? Yeah. Really? At me. Um No, I will at you. <laughs> this is garbage. No, they're five and zero first and they're a good team. No, whatever. We can tighten up. Just mm-mm. tighten up. No. Man, tighten up. No. Titan. no, uh-uh. <laughs> Titans, I, like, even if they are a good, even if they are real 5-0, I have no respect for them this season at all. So, I will hate on them every game. Yeah, neither do I. But um, I'm all in right now. As you know, I can be very, as you know, I can, I can be very, I, I don't need money reasons to be vindictive against a sports team. Um, <laughs> also, uh, <laughs> yes, Shane, really. Um, that was a sarcasm. Cowboys and I also probably Cowboys and the football team. Um, Washington, but because you know, it's like watching a car crash. You can't look away. Um, It'd be fun to watch that on Red it just Zone. Keeps rolling. It keeps rolling, and it's like, it's like you you're like ooh fire, and then you're like oh wait, it's a car crash. I gotta go help him. Um. Um, that's so maybe, strange analogy. And then obviously, I, I, it's a weird way of putting it. Um, and yeah, then my you, third, you got a point. My third game would probably be. I don't know. Uh, it's okay. Packers, uh, Texans, maybe. Yeah, pretty good. We'll go with that. Uh, okay, Shane. One o'clock. So we got the shift. Of course, Buccaneers, Raiders. Now the one o'clock game on Fox. Here is the one o'clock slate. Uh, what's the game you're looking forward to here? Mm, well, first of all, um, I am also very excited for the Titan Steelers. That's definitely the one I'm looking forward to most. But, um, but for the one o'clock slate, uh, I got my eye on the Browns Bengals. I want to see. I want to see this rematch. That's a ten o'clock. Um, that's a I ten think... o'clock. But yeah, that should be good too. Oh, it is. Yes. Oh God. The one o'clock start with Bucks <laughs> exactly. Raiders, but that should, um, no, but that should be a good game too. You can speak on that as well. Well, no, because I mean, just because like, you know, this division is really interesting to me. Uh, I think that I don't think that there's a a team in that division that's really that bad. No, the Bengals have not looked great, but you know, they're. I th- I think that they <clears throat> are. You know, they're like another Giants to me or Chargers, you know. Like, they are a good team that can make good plays and drive down the field and do well. They just can't quite get it done. And I don't know. I feel like the Browns are going to be kind of at a low after that loss. And the same with the Bengals. And I think, you know, the Bengals – especially Burrow, he's going to have kind of a chip on his shoulder and he's going to want to go out there and just really play well. 
And I don't know, you know, last time they played, it was the second game of the season. And I mean, Burrow, he's gotten some playing time. He's looking really good. Um, I think Cincinnati could win it, honestly. I mean, I don't know. You know, we'll have to see. It was really close last time. Um, and I, I mean, I expect it to be the same thing here. Um, I will I also think. Go ahead, Shane. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I think I think if Cleveland wants to keep up their playoff hopes, they this is probably a game that they should win because you look at their division, look at the guys above them. I mean, that's a lot that they have to compete with. Um, obviously, Baltimore is the favorite. Um, but, and here's my hot take of the week, I think Pittsburgh is going to win this division. And mm. okay, maybe so that's, that's, put, that's putting opinion. it that's that's putting it on the table for this week uh, from from right, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your take is that the Steelers are the best team in this division and are going to win. Why? Yeah. Well, to me, they're just a more complete team. You know, you look at you you look at the Steelers. Okay, they. First of all, the guy they have under center, I've been critical of him the last couple of years just because of the injuries and the inconsistency, and I just feel like I can't trust him. But now that he's healthy and he's playing well, he looks really good. Um, you know, Big Ben, he looks sharp. And, you know, as long as their guys are held, James Conner uh, and even, you know, Claypool is really showing up and doing great. Um, not to mention their – O-line still looks pretty good, and their defense, obviously, is – like, their front seven is fantastic. Baltimore, on the other hand, I just – I don't – Lamar is just – he's inconsistent this year. Um, They don't really – their running game is weaker than it was. Uh, and injuries have played a part of, in that, but yeah, it's been pretty <clears> bad. Well, yeah, but and then I mean, it, they have no pass game either, which doesn't help. And their defense does not look nearly as as, as fine tuned as it was last um, year. Shane, you know what happened a few days ago, right? Hmm. The Ravens have now definitely a top three defense because they brought in Yannick and Gawkway for nothing. Literally a third and a fifth. Their defense yeah. now has Yannick and Gawkway, who hasn't played very well this year, but the fact that he's on the Ravens freaks me out and should freak out my, every other NFL my, team. My, well, yes, but my concern with them is not the defensive line. It's the secondary. That's also fair. That's also fair. So, I don't know. Um, I mean, I Marcus Peters that- has played well this year, though. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, but I mean, there's four people through a secondary, not one, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, or even five in some cases. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I just think that I think Pittsburgh has more ways they can win, and I and I think that they're much more consistent. And I mean, in the end, I. I that just, you know, they're more veteran experience 
goes mm-hmm. to help them out. Uh, before I let Brandon go at this point, I'm going to say a few things. One, I don't think there's necessarily a proper argument to defeat your or to refute your point other than to say that I really do believe that the Ravens have kind of hit a turn now where now that they have in Gawkway, that defense looks solid. They're going to be ridiculous. Not to say that the Steelers defense isn't solid as well. In fact, I still put them ahead. The only the only way I can really refute it is is I think that if you look at how the Ravens offense has been playing, they're definitely trying to make Lamar throw the ball a little bit more. He's not running the ball as much. So there's definitely, at least for the first six weeks, been sort of a tr- transitional period for this offense uh, in terms of how they want to play. And that takes some time. I think with the Ravens, I think uh, let's wait till like week 12 before we make a determination about how we feel about them. I still put the Ravens as Super Bowl contenders, but I also put the Steelers as Super Bowl contenders. I think the only way I can really refute your point is to say that I think it's really early. I want to see the Ravens play five, six more weeks, but I understand why that would be a bold prediction, of course. Uh, But the only way I can really refute it is to say, I think that the defense is top three for both of these teams. And I think that the Ravens are now starting to turn a corner offensively. Brandon, your thoughts on that point? You know, I think the Ravens just aren't – the Ravens don't impress me. Straight up. I mean, uh, they were really good last year, but I think one of the big reasons I'm starting to realize for that is Lamar Jackson and the fact that he could just run around the field. Um, like I continue to say his passing is just not that accurate. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I haven't watched all that many games this year, um, of his. And the one game where I did see him, uh, he he got absolutely trounced. So, yeah. Anyway, I feel a bit more positive about the Ravens than I think most people. And I think the main reason why is I just think last week um, I started to see the offense get a bit better. And I think they are turning a bit of a corner, at least for the one o'clock slate. Uh, still, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, do you, because um, at the beginning of the year, they were your Super Bowl prediction, right? Um, yeah, they were. Them and the Niners. Still? Um, I, th- I think right now the Chiefs right now are um still or not still but i think it's shifted to the chiefs i think the niners are out there running in the nfc i'm having a tough time with the nfc right now in terms of i mean Mm. i think there's a lot of contenders there but at least for the afc i think it's the chiefs run away right now um especially them bringing in Le'Veon. that offense is ridiculous and that defense is better than i think people give it credit for it's not perfect but it's 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 getting better it's improving every game i think um yeah at least for the one o'clock. Of course, Chiefs Broncos should be fun. I really want to start case studying Drew Locke a little bit. Um, I wasn't very impressed with the game last week against the Patriots. Uh, I want to see a bit more of Drew Locke now that he's fully healthy. Uh, let's see how he does the rest of the year. I'm still a big fan, but let's let's see some improvement the last the uh, the last uh, stretch of the season um, here in week seven and, and going into uh, trade deadline week, uh, in a few weeks. But, uh, the main matchup that everyone's talking about is the Niners and the Patriots for unfair reasons. Um, as Brandon and I talked about last week, uh, the media again, this week has unfortunately felt like the Patriots have fallen off a cliff 
after that Broncos <laughs> game, which I think is unbelievable, especially, and I think it would be wrong of us to think of it that way, considering the praise that we had on the Patriots in that Sunday night football game against the Seahawks. Uh, this is a, I don't, I, I don't know why the media is so quick to write them off. I think Brandon and I, as we, as we spoke on Sunday, we said they're a playoff team and not much else, but they're a playoff team. I don't think they're anything worse than that. I think, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think Brandon, you, you agree with me on that, but Shane, give me your thoughts on how um, the Patriots conversation, at least nationally has shifted so dramatically from uh, what we did with that Seahawks game a few weeks ago. Well, you know, I think it's, I think part of the reason for that is because after Brady left and just seeing how their season ended last year, a lot of people, myself included, very quick to say, you know, oh, Patriots are going to suck now. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So then, you know, you see the Patriots doing, you know, they're not having a, a winning record or whatever. And so then, you know, those same people are like, oh, yeah, see, no, they're terrible. And, you know, just to prove that, that they were right. Um, even though, you know, I mean, they, you know, they haven't, they hadn't had, they haven't had Cam. Um, and he is definitely the difference maker there. You know, I think once they, you know, once they have him back for a couple of weeks and he, you know, starts settling in with that team again, things will be better. Uh, granted, I, you know, they don't, they, he definitely needs more weapons. Um, you know, Edelman is, I think he's good, but he's, you know, he, he's not feeling special necessarily. I mean, he's, he's a good slot guy, but uh, they really need a tight end, a deep receiver, deep threat, you know, a bunch of stuff. And they just don't. And um, that's the – to me, that's what's really hurting them. If they could have a guy that they could go over the top to, then they would be – pretty dangerous in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about some of those options in a bit uh, for the Patriots, but yeah. do you still feel like they're a playoff team, a wild card team or no? Uh, I think they're a contender. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, well, I mean, we'll see, you know, like the AFC North discussion, we'll see as the season goes along, obviously. Right. But um, y- yeah, no, I mean, I think they, you know, definitely have a decent shot at a wild card. I mean, I think, I think Buffalo wins the division despite their recent struggles. Um, but, you know, then you also have to consider Miami. They're playing pretty hot. Um, plus there's a bunch of other teams in other, in other AFC divisions competing for a wild card, like, um, you know, Pittsburgh or Baltimore, whoever doesn't win that division, maybe even Cleveland. Um Vegas, um, uh, who else is there? Indy, maybe. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of teams, but I think they're definitely in that mix. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's a good reminder. I almost forgot about this for some strange reason. Let's talk about Miami. Brandon, I'll go to you uh, first. Hmm. Tua is now the official starter for the Miami Dolphins. Is that a shock to you? Yeah. 
It is. Um, why would you pull the hot hand when you have a chance of... It's not like they're that far down the pole, you know? It's like I legitimately see the Dolphins of having a chance to win the division this year, like the way they're playing. I just think it's ridiculous. And it's like, I get it that you want to, Oh, give the young guy confidence and yada, yada, yada. But like, this was Fitzpatrick's team this year. Like it wasn't to his team. It's Fitzpatrick's team. Tua gets to have his year next year. Honestly, I think Tua is going to suck because Tua, frankly, <laughs> He can be as good. He can be as good of a quarterback as he wants, but just based upon statistics, rookie quarterbacks usually don't do very well. So, um, Shane, your thoughts on Tua starting? Um, yeah, I think this is pretty much the worst coaching decision of the entire NFL all year this year. No, seriously, I do. I really don't understand it at all. Um, it's I. Yeah, I when I saw that, I mean, you know, obviously Tua played a bit at the end of that Jets game, which he played I one series. In. Yeah, I mean, like I would have put him in there too, you know, even just to because I mean that they weren't going to lose at that point. So it's like, yeah, you know, just get him in there, get him some snaps in the game, whatever, you know, whatever. And then next week we're back at it with Pitts doing our thing. Great. But no, then they say, okay, we're going to start him out. Like, why? Okay, you're on a winning streak. If Fitzpatrick is finally on a somewhat decent team that's actually winning, starting for them, by the way, and they're doing good, and they're like, "Yeah, sorry, we're gonna we're gonna bench you for this rookie who, like Brandon said, is probably gonna suck." I think, and. I mean, you could just see how emotional he was about it. I mean, I I feel so bad for Fitzpatrick. I really do. Um, I mean, this guy, he stayed with that team and gave it his all last year when they were terrible. And this year, he stuck with them and he did all. And then, I mean, this is just like a slap in the face for all of that. Yep. Now, when they're finally doing good, <clears throat> I feel like, honestly, be part a large part due to him they're saying nope we're gonna go to this rookie we have no idea how he's gonna do so here's your middle finger so here's so here's what i'm so here's so uh, so i started to think about this more as the days went on and the more i started to figure out why they did this decision and optically it's horrible i am not denying that Fitzpatrick has played tremendously well considering the circumstances and he's done great. But the more I think about it, I don't think it was right for him to, to, for Tua to start this week. No, I think optically it would have made more sense if Fitzpatrick is going to have a bad game, which we know he would have at some point, then you could put Tua in optically. It's bad, but the more I looked at it, as the days went on, the more I was like, oh, I get what Brian Flores is doing. And credit Ryan Chazier on uh, on uh, the Ringer NFL show, and he was talking about 
talking about this decision and I started to understand why. Because if you look at that roster offensively, you got Devontae Parker, you got Preston Williams, you got Miles Gaskins been playing out of his mind recently. This offense is very young. And giving this offense, along with Tua, who's going to be their future, the ability to grow together as a unit, when Miami knows they're not going to win a Super Bowl this year, Ryan Shazier talked about this exact same thing. They know they're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. They might win the division, sure, but they know they're not going to win a Super Bowl. Yes, optically it looks bad, but in terms of this offense, I think Flores started to realize after that first series, like, I kind of want this group to grow together. And I think that's what ultimately set him to make this decision. It was like, okay, here's the young quarterback that we have, regardless if he struggles or not, let's get him some experience and let's help this still very young offensive core build together. And obviously not to mention Mike Kosicki as well, uh, not to forget him. That is why I think he made the decision ultimately. Because I think this team, this offense is so young and to give it a shot to grow together as a unit is better for them long-term when they realize they're not going to win Super Bowl this year. That, I mean, that's how yes, I feel that's, about it. Well, yes, that's, that makes, yes, uh, I think you're right. That is, I would imagine, why they are doing it. But I just don't, I don't know. I still don't agree with it personally. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with the decision, but I understand where Flores is coming from because inevitably I'm, I'm sorry at this point, inevitably Fitzpatrick was going to have a bad game down the road. Anyway, this is how Fitzpatrick plays. It's just what it is. I love Fitzpatrick, but that's just what it is. That's how we, that's how his seasons go. Normally it's not about getting ahead of that. I think it's just about, Hey, let's just give this young guy a shot. And it won't, I'm not saying it will be pretty, there's a shot it could be, though. Herbert's played well, and I think, you know, Flores knows how to work with a young quarterback. There's a shot this could go well, but for me, I, 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 the more I sat there and thought about it, and credit Ryan Chazier, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, okay, this makes sense. Optically, it's horrible. It is. But it makes sense why you would make this decision now rather than in a few weeks when Fitzpatrick could potentially have a bad game. Um, in terms of the Sunday night game, Brandon, I'll go to you. We got another Seahawks game on Sunday night football, of course, being flexed. How do the Seahawks defense stop this uh, Cardinals offense, which is very weird uh, on Monday night against the? I don't. Cowboys. I don't. Th- <clears throat> Personally, I don't think they're gonna have much much trouble. I mean, they. It, it's like the. I think their biggest problem will be. Stopping Kyler, but when you have Russell Wilson, who you practice against, I think they'll be fine. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm not impressed with their offense. Just not. Um, they – I don't know. That's all I really have to say. I, it, there's not much I can do. Shane, the Seahawks defense is ranked 31st in the NFL. Now, obviously, that, that's a lot to do with injuries. But if you look at this Cardinals offense, and again, as I said, wasn't pretty, uh, it should be honestly a pretty high-scoring game. I really feel like both sides are just going to go crazy because these two defenses, let's be honest, are, are not very great statistically. 
Well, that's the, I mean, that, that, you know, that's the interesting thing about the Seahawks defense is, yeah, they're 31st in yards allowed, but they're 20, I think 20th in points allowed. Um, so, you know, there is a, a bit of a, you know, not really a huge difference there, but, you know, still it's something to take note of. But also, I mean, you look at the offenses they've played so far and they've all been, you know, pretty good, really. Um, of course, you know, Matt Ryan and the Falcons pass attack and then Patriots, whatever. But, <clears throat> you know, I do – to me, the, the Cardinals offense is like the Ravens offense with – in terms of, you know, having a quarterback kind of like Lamar who's fast and um, and then having, you know, a couple of running backs that are all good, but none of them really, you know, stand out. Except the big difference to me is that <clears throat> their passing game, Arizona actually has a really good passing game, whereas Baltimore, I feel, doesn't really. Um I mean, they have D Hop, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Kirk. I mean, they, Christian they have, Kirk played well last week. Yeah, they have so many weapons offensively. Uh, honestly, I, <clears throat> um, I, you know, I never, I normally don't ever disagree with Brennan on stuff like this, but honestly, I think the Cardinals are going to win by two or three touchdowns. Um, mm, interesting. I, I could be wrong. Um, but you know, I, the Seahawks defense is still not healthy, not all the way at least. And I mean, just looking at how, at how Arizona was able to do against Dallas last week, a team that it's Dallas though. Like I know, but you know, Seattle played Dallas as well earlier in the year, and the results were about the same. And so, I don't know. I mean, to me, either Seahawks are going to go in there thinking, "Oh yeah, we're five and zero. We're you know we're we're good, not good, but you know not really treating it like it's that big a deal," and then go in there and blow it, or it'll be really close, and then you know Wilson will. Pull it out like at the last second. I, I just like to point <clears throat> That's out. What I see that's I more, like more likely. Out. The Seahawks, the Cardinals have played the 49ers, Washington, Detroit, Carolina, the Jets, and the Cowboys. And they've been played yeah. great in all of them. But <laughs> last Look, couple of weeks, they've been good, though. I mean, they haven't played anybody of real. Like depth. You know? Well, let's. I'm just. I, again, my thought is. I. Th- I think Shane is. I. Th- I. I don't agree with the Cardinals win by two touchdowns. I think what happens here is it's gonna be stupidly high scoring, and the Seahawks are gonna pull it out by a touchdown. But I. Think, I, I, it's definitely I, I gonna think, be a high score. Well, here. Like here. Here's my thing. I. I think this. I think people sleep on the Seahawks defense. Right. Here's my reason. Right. They're thirty yes, first. Robert, shut up for a second. In yards. They are 31st, right? Yes. Oh, no, they're 31st in defense. It 
I don't give a shit if the if teams are throwing for 400 yards. What I care about is our teams throwing for 400 yards and getting in the end zone every single time. Like we are when it comes to goal line defense, we're pretty good this year. Like we're not giving up a ton of points. Like as I, long like this team, there's a reason we're five and oh. We're not it's not just a fluke. It's not because of defense. <laughs> well, it certainly ain't not because of defense. It's because of the offense. The defense well, it's because is because of the offense, but like you can't you don't go five and oh without having a pretty without having a decent defense. Like this team is a, this defense is decent. It's not it's it's crap. it's it's it, it's what it is. It's thirty first because of injuries. It's thirty first in yards. Yeah, you're making it, in scoring. Yeah. Thir- like still it's pretty bottom. And okay. they and they have and they have some of the most turnovers in the whole league. Yeah, that's true. I'll just but, say this. I think when they're healthy, they're top fifteen. But they're not healthy. It's a better right now. defense than people are giving it credit for at the moment. Like if they're healthy, minute. yes, Robert. But they're not. With all the problems they're dealing with. It's a pretty fucking good defense. Like they are hurt, and yet they are still doing enough to win games. And look at and look at the offenses that they've played. Atlanta, okay. New England, Dallas. When Dak was really hot, okay, he yeah. was doing that to everybody. Um, Minnesota. Miami, when they were hot, Minnesota, when they were also hot, you know what I mean? I mean, at at the same time, I look at the Seahawks team and I have two issues. One is I agree nationally with the defense, at least for a couple more weeks. And two, again, I think I need to see them blow out a team before I can say they can win the Lombardi trophy. Oh my God. I need to see them blow out a team. Um, I mean, that's fair. Say it about any other team, Robert, for one week, please. Like, good Lord. Um, the over under for this, week. the over under for this game in terms of points is fifty six point five. Over or under? Total points. Total points over under is fifty six point five. Over under. Oh, over. It'll be at least seventy total. Brandon. Over. Yeah, I'm going over on that. Over. Um, and then w- Shane, Brandon and I talked about the bears on Sunday. I'll have you, uh, finish out the schedule time about the bears. Uh, is this a fluky five and one? Hmm. I don't know. Honestly, I, 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 I think I they, to me, they feel more like four and two. Um, not that that's that much of a difference, but I mean, they, I would just jump the gun and say, yeah, but. I mean, they've beat Tampa, who looks really good, and I don't know. I mean, they, you know, they've had some, they've had impressive victories while not looking impressive. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's kind of weird. I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of luck, honestly, part of it. Um, But, you know, I think Foles... No, he's not a franchise guy, but, you know, I think he's a serviceable bridge guy, at least for right now. That's a good way to put Foles, bridge guy. Yeah. And I mean, he's, I mean, he's definitely shown that this year. Um, no, they should not stick with him for the future. They should try drafting a, you know, like a, a rookie or getting a, maybe getting Darnold. I don't know. Just a thought. Um, we'll we'll get to that. But yeah. Um, Anyways, 
So, yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, I, I don't see them winning this division. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they are currently in first place in the division. Never thought that would have happened, but um, here we are. <laughs> um, all right, let's go. Uh, before we go to trade rumors, let's go to some free agency rumors. Antonio Brown is just about to finish his suspension in about a week. Seattle is his top target. Brandon, I'll go to you. Do the, do the Seahawks need Antonio Brown moving forward? Hell no. No. So do you we agree that they should need, pick him up? We don't need him, and frankly, I don't want him. I think he's just nothing but chaos. Trouble. And trouble and noise. We just have such a good thing going with our wide receiver core right now. Like, Yes, I agree. I agree. I mean, you got you got uh, DK Metcalf, who's a great deep threat. Uh, Tyler Lockett, good gadget guy, and David Moore, who is proving to be a pretty good slot dude. So, hey, I'm maybe good. Josh Gordon <laughs> comes back too. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, a lot of people have been saying this about Antonio Brown, and I would you know I wouldn't be against this. Is that they could get him and then trade for like JJ Watt or something. <laughs> That that's that, not gonna happen. That I would, no, I know, but I would be okay with that. That that would be fine. But um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, no. So there is a couple things to be said here. I think if you're Antonio Brown, Seattle isn't necessarily the best fit. If you want targets, necessarily, I I I feel like the Seahawks did a pretty good job managing Josh Gordon. So I don't think that they would have too much trouble managing Antonio Brown. And I think Russell and Geno Smith, of course, they have a really good relationship with him. I think they can help keep him in check. I don't think – I don't – look, I don't like Antonio Brown. And all that being said, I picked him up on my fantasy team. Look, I'm trying to separate. I'm trying to win in my <laughs> fantasy league. But – in our fantasy league. But I'll, I'll be honest. I don't like Antonio Brown. I don't. I don't like his antics. I don't like what he brings to the table. But ultimately, I mean, New England didn't fit with him. But if there's any other place other than New England that a team could that a team can help a guy like Antonio Brown fit, and that was the same with Josh Gordon, it, it would be Seattle. So I I'm not opposed to it. And let's be honest, you know how much this would cost? A million bucks, probably. Maybe it, it literally would cost them nothing to bring him in. I don't know how much it hurts the culture, but if it costs you one million dollars, you might as well. I don't know how else to put it. You might as well. Do we need him? No. Do I? I don't think if you're Seattle, you want him. But it's one million dollars. I mean, if it doesn't work in two weeks, you can just cut him for nothing. I, I would imagine that's what the contract would be. So I don't. I don't see what's a massive risk here, other than at least from the money perspective. I don't know what's a massive risk here. I, I think they just should do it and see what happens. I don't. I don't think it's a risk necessarily. I just don't think it's necessary. You know. And I'm not saying it's, it's necessary like, either, but bother? I don't think it's necessary yeah. either. But at the same time, if you look at the money, if you look at the Russell's been vouching for him constantly, Gino's been vouching for him constantly. They have players in there that can keep him in check. Seattle's clearly shown themselves as a city that can help these guys at least bounce back somewhat. It's not my favorite thing, but, and again, I don't like Antonio, but I, I, I just don't see what's the harm here necessarily. I just don't. Uh, let's go to a bunch of these trade rumors. I wrote down a few of the big ones, some smaller ones, but I wrote down 
a few big ones. We have trade deadline on election day, by the way, kind of a cool wrinkle there uh, that the trade deadline is on November 3rd, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. So before we get to the change of scenery quarterbacks out of these teams that I listed, what are some interesting players that could be moving in a few weeks? Uh, Shane, I'll go to you first. Well, I think, uh, you know, I, I think that Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are interesting because if I'm Atlanta, I'm going to try and do everything I can to hold on to those guys <laughs> while they are, at least for the next three or four years, while they're kind of trying to, you know, bounce back and figure things out. Mm. Um, Cause I do, I mean, I do think that Matt Ryan is better than people think. I know you guys talked about that last week. Um, um, but I, I, I agree with Robert on this one. I mean, I, you know, he, he is an MVP. He consistently puts up, you know, 4,000 yard seasons and, you know, 25, 30 touchdowns. So, you know, I do, I do think he's the right guy for right now. Uh, but let's see other ones. I don't know. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, maybe. Except if Fulgham keeps working out, then I guess that's not a huge thing. But mm. Mm. yeah, I mean, other than that, it's not, not too many surprises. Um, Brandon, is there any particular player or team with a player on potentially on the block that you're interested in talking about? Uh, <clears throat> I think the Bengals probably because, like, I know both AJ Green and John Ross have made it pretty clear that they want out. Um, so that kind of puts the Bengals in a weird situation. Does it? Because it's like, well, I mean, it, it might help them if they trade them, because then they can just draft in the in the and they can draft young like wide receivers or get an O line or a defense they, or something. Right? They yeah. have they have Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. They're not necessarily Jonesing at That's wide true. receiver. And they John can... Ross hasn't exactly done anything for them. No, unfortunately. Um, AJ Green is on the franchise tag, so he could be fairly easy to trade as well. I think David Njoku is an interesting yeah. trade because he's a pretty top-tier tight end. Um, I'd say – also, I'd say the idea of Sam Darnold being traded is very strange um, considering – I don't think the – I mean, what? Are you going to have Shane's favorite quarterback You're gonna have the go the rest of the year? Yeah, obviously. Um, so before we get to the change of scenery QBs, I think the main one here, well, Kevin Zeitler is interesting for the Giants as well. We spoke about him earlier. It'd be interesting to see if they actually move him considering how bad they are at offensive line. Uh, but the Browns, uh, Dante Pettis as well for the Niners, good punt returner for some teams. Could be an interesting uh, late round pick ad for some of these guys. But uh, David Nujoku is a fun one. I think there are so many teams in New England can look at a guy like AJ Green and David Nujoku potentially. New England always makes a midseason yeah. trade. Watch out for that. Nujoku is a great tight end. Hasn't gotten the shot with Austin Hooper. He's been wanting out for months on end for good reason. 
Uh, Nujoku can definitely give the Browns some value in terms of draft picks. I, I see New England jumping at the bit for that one and AJ Green as well. So I think those two are to watch, uh, are interesting to watch. Sam Darnold and Dwayne Haskins have been mulling around in the executive, uh, the executive offices uh, of the NFL um, as an interesting trade piece. A lot of teams have reportedly studied Dwayne Haskins. Uh, to try to make a move for him. I think a change of scenery would help him and Darnold as well. Although it is being reported that Darnold getting a first round pick for Darnold uh, seems really unlikely. And unfortunately for both of these quarterbacks, considering the amount of capital you paid for them in the first round, I think you want a first round pick in return. And I don't think that's very likely, unfortunately. Where do you think it would be the most likely landing spots for Darnold? I have no clue because I think a lot of these teams are really comfortable at quarterback. I have, I have two, yeah, two, two, two ideas. What are your two First ideas? Is Chicago, mm-hmm. Chicago. Um, the other one, this one might be a bit more of a stretch, but honestly, I could see Indy. Yeah, I think up. it's a stretch because I think they're happy with Philip, but. At least as a long-term play, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, what about what about Dwayne Haskins, Shane? Jeez, uh, I Jets <laughs> <laughs> after Darnold is gone. I don't know. Um, I don't honestly. I don't see him being a starter anywhere. I don't even know where he would start. I can't think of a team. Yeah. I have a hard time with Dwayne right now. Um, I still like him. I don't think Washington's giving him a fair shot with, with a riverboat Ron. I think he should have started the whole year, but because Kyle Allen isn't necessarily tremendous. So I don't know what to do with Dwayne. Um, Brandon, your thoughts on Alex Smith. I also would be down for that. But, uh, Brandon, what are your thoughts on these two quarterbacks and where you think they could land? Uh, I could see... See, I don't know if there's a ton of places for a quarterback to go currently, at least as a starter. I think both of them will end up somewhere as a backup. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, like, Jacksonville or... Um, I was going to say Indy, but they have lots of quarterbacks. Um, maybe Houston as a backup. Potentially. Backups would be tough for these first-round picks. I did want to talk about Steve McClendon. This is pretty funny, uh, if nothing else. This is, shows you how stupid the Jets are, so I'm going to get through this quickly. Uh, Steve McClendon <laughs> got traded to the Bucks last week, and he knew before that Miami contest uh, that he was being traded, but they told him that the car will be waiting for him after the game in, in Miami for him to go to Tampa. And I thought it was pretty funny and kind of just shows a lot about the Jets that they were like, hey, you're going to play in this game for us, but we have a car waiting outside for you, which I think is kind of a shell shock uh, for any player. So I think it says a lot about the Jets. Um, but let's talk about a few interesting trades happening in our fantasy league. Of course, this fantasy league constantly trading every week. Uh, first, Especially we'll start... You. Well, yeah, I made seven trades. We'll get to my seventh trade in a bit. Uh, the first <laughs> trade, the first trade um, is between the two brothers in the league, David and Paul. Um, 
Paul trades David Johnson and Kenyon Drake, who he got in a trade with Tanner earlier in the year, and David trades Chris Godwin and Melvin Gordon. So the big pieces here are Drake going to David. Of course, David last year in uh, our league that uh, us three had won him the fantasy league. Kenyon Drake won him the league pretty much. Uh, So he's back kind of home, if you will. Uh, But I think the two big pieces here are Drake going to David and Chris Godwin going to Paul. I think Paul won this deal virtually because of the buy low on Chris Godwin right now. Uh, But what are your guys' thoughts on this deal? Yo, David got so fleeced. You think he got fleeced? You don't think running back depth is – I don't necessarily think he got fleeced because I feel like the running back depth is pretty important at this time in fantasy. Yeah, but, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, Dave, David Johnson, he doesn't. He's been better in recent weeks, I'll say that. Well, yeah, I don't know. I'm still not really buying into him, though. And Drake, he's been inconsistent, to say the least. But, I mean, Godwin and and Gordon are two really solid players. Gordon, I have uh, in the yeah. same spot as Johnson. I mean, really? Yeah. I don't like Melvin no. Gordon. I don't know. I mean, I just think that they're much more solid, reliable players, personally. Uh, Brandon, but, your thoughts on this deal? Uh... Honestly, I think so. Are we talking about the first one? Or the the one? first one. The first one. You know, I think I think the Maddie Ice Cubes got the better end of it because I think mm-hmm. David Johnson and Kenyon David Johnson alone is way better this year than Melvin Gordon. Um. I mean, maybe Chris Godwin. Wait, I'm thinking of Duke Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, David uh, Johnson. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, Chris Godwin is a good is like a good pickup, but like, yeah, I personally would much rather get David Johnson and Kenyon Drake. Mm. Yeah, I I just love the buy low here with Godwin. I think. Drake, as, as Shane said, is kind of inconsistent. So that's kind of where my eyes go to. But I think David, considering running back depth needs across the entire league, it's not bad. Uh, it's not a bad uh, thing to get for Godwin. And then, uh, Brandon, I'll have you go first with my trade I made with Shane. Uh, this this trade has a really fun backstory. Uh, but, uh, Brandon, I'll go to you with this deal. What are your thoughts on this? So I – so. Shane gives me Keenan Allen and Boston Scott, and I trade him David Montgomery and Tyler Boyd. Uh, I think Shane won this deal. I agree. Um, I think you definitely. I think you definitely <laughs> did a. I think Robert took this as like a buy low. No, uh, it wasn't a buy low but, at all. You know, I think David Montgomery and Tyler Boyd much just. That's a good pickup. I don't know why you did that trade, Robert. I'll explain why. (laughs) So this is a really fun backstory where Shane was kind of in a rough spot with running backs. 
he doesn't have he didn't have a lot of running back depth. So I jumped in and and tried to he he offered me digs for Gaskin pretty much. And I, I mean, it was clear to me that Shane wasn't really trying to give up digs. And I know, Brandon, you were trying to kind of make some moves to try to get digs. It was kind of clear to me that he was that he wasn't actually trying to give them up. And so so I called him the other day and I was like, okay, are, are you in, can we talk digs? And he was, and, and it felt like he wasn't really that interested. So I was like, okay, Allen and Allen is ranked literally one spot below digs, but Allen, I wasn't going to give him Gaskin. Like I still felt like Gaskin now Gaskin kind of sits as a role player on my team. Another guy that I could potentially trade. He's, he's constantly in trade talks with a lot of people in this league, but you know, Allen, I thought like, okay, I could upgrade my team here. Shane won the deal. 1000% he won the deal. But based on what I felt like I wanted, which is another upgrade at receiver, it made sense for me. And Boston Scott's still going to be productive for a couple more weeks. Not like I'll need him. So, and I just felt better. Okay, like, hey, let's give him Montgomery. He has a shot to be RB1 value. Shane's right in the sense that he is a bit inconsistent. But considering his schedule the rest of the year, he has a shot to be very productive and he has a very nice floor. But I also had to realize that at this point with how much I'm trading, I had to overpay a little bit to get the player that I wanted. So I thought, I thought that's why I put Tyler Boyd in the deal. For me, I felt like Shane did a really good job because he made this negotiation very hard for me because I wanted digs that didn't, that I, it was clear that that wasn't going to go through. But for right now, for me, I needed to upsell a little bit just to make sure that it went through uh, considering those negotiations. So I think he did a great job negotiating. But for me, considering my team, considering my receivers, I got I got MT, you know, Michael Thomas, now Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson. I picked up Antonio Brown. I have AJ Brown. I have Preston Williams. I'm at a spot where I have so much receiver depth. My running back depth is good enough now uh, where I'm fine giving up Montgomery. So based on context, I like the deal for me in the sense that Shane won the deal based on depth, but in terms of the best player in the deal, I got the best player in the deal ultimately, and that makes me happy moving forward. Shane, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you summed it up pretty nicely. <laughs> Keenan Allen, though, um, he's not one rank below Diggs because Diggs is the fourth, is ranked fourth, in receivers i'm talking fantasy, about but... i'm talking about rest of season value rest of season value. Oh, gotcha. he's at 10 like i think 8 to 10 and i think alan's ranked at 11 if i'm not mistaken maybe maybe oh. 18 uh maybe like from 11 to 18 range um so i felt pretty good it's a notch below but i felt pretty good at that yeah gotcha uh but shane your overall thoughts on how the negotiation went over the last couple of weeks it was it was tough i think uh, considering how you felt at the running yeah. back position. So what were your thoughts on that? Well, what I really wanted to get was I wanted to trade Diggs for Jonathan Taylor from Brennan. And Brennan was going to get Jonathan Taylor from his buddy Connor, but that deal never went through. And I was like, okay, well, I need to, I need to do something here. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's all good. It worked out in the end. Um, speaking on Boston Scott, your guy who you started this week, Shane, uh, pick, picked up the Fantasy Stars MVP. Um, yep. Thanks to that touchdown at the end. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Um, <clears throat> let's go to the World Series. This has been a fun World Series down in Arlington. Uh, Brandon, I'll have you go first with your impression on the first two games <clears throat> of the World Series. I think I think both teams are fairly evenly matched. Um, first game, you saw the Dodgers win it pretty big. Um, and then second game, you saw the uh, Rays get out to a big lead, and then the Dodgers came back and brought it within two. And then the third game is going to be tonight. Um, I liked what I saw from the Rays, though. Um, I honestly think the Rays are going to pull it out. I think they're going to win it all. Um, Once again, leaving the Dodgers feeling sad for themselves. Um, which, to be honest, wouldn't be that upset about because maybe it'll actually it'll actually show the league that it's not about throwing money at throwing all the money at the wall and be like, "Ha, we're gonna win." Um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Shane, your thoughts? Do you feel like the Rays can make this go like six or seven? Do you think they have a shot to win this series? I do see it going to seven. Um, or maybe even six. I don't know. But you know, they, this is a yeah, this is a tough series for me because I think that um, I think LA definitely has the better offense. Um, I mean, they overall have higher batting averages, uh, more runs, uh, more home runs. However, defensively, I like. Tampa a lot more. Uh, they have, um, you know, not as many runs allowed, and uh, you know, overall, they just, you know, don't allow as much. Um, I guess like as much. They're just cleaner, I think. You know, more strikeouts, and they just they get the job done much easier. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think LA has a slight edge. I think they're just a little bit better. Um, but knowing, I mean, knowing them and how they always choke in the World Series. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I really feel like the Dodgers yeah. are going to win. I think they have the better offense ultimately, but I love the Rays. I've said every pod over the last month. I love the Rays. I think it goes six or seven. Uh, I think it's going to be a great series um, moving forward, but I like the Dodgers because I think their offense ultimately is just better. Um, NBA offseason news. Um, Stan Van Gundy is the Pelicans coach. I like this move a lot. I do. I like Stan. Um, he's consistently been able to develop players while also winning. The Pelicans need that right now. Um, yeah, I, I like this hire a lot. Um, Van Gundy just makes sense. And then the other Van Gundy uh, might be heading to Houston in a few weeks, potentially. But let's talk about Stan. Uh, Shane, I'll have you go with this one. Uh, Pelicans with uh, Stan Van Gundy. Um, 
I'm not the person to ask on this because I don't know enough about <laughs> about right. um, about him to be completely honest yeah. to I'll, I'll, make yeah. a proper analysis. I'll, I'll finish up because I, I did want to do some Raptor stuff uh, in a bit with Brandon, but I, I I just think this is a great hire. I I like that he's a developmental guy who wants to get this team to win, and we'll see what happens with Zion Zion and his health. Uh, which I think is most important for them uh, heading into next season, whenever that will be. Uh, but if Zion's healthy, this team has a shot to be really competitive uh, with Van Gundy down the road. And then, Brandon, I'll ask you about the Pelicans hire, or, or excuse me, the Pacers hire uh, with Nate Borgeron. Uh, with, uh, he was the Raptors associate coach. Um, talk about the Raptors culture and how he could potentially bring that to Indiana. Um, t- just overall talk about this Raptors culture and, and how it could translate to new teams in the league uh, with this case being the Pacers. Yeah, I think the Raptors, um, I think we're going to see a lot of teams specific. I think the one specific thing coming out of the Raptors that we're going to see in a lot of teams where coaches go to different places is their defensive style. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of teams starting to be built in a similar way to the, to the Raptors, um, especially after they, won the whole thing and then the next year made it to the um second round. Um I think it really proves that defense still has a place um in basketball. Um and I think that's the biggest thing. But also I just think a really balanced way of building teams, you know? Mm-hmm. Like not just putting it all on one or two players, but having like a well rounded every player on the court is going to be able to play both like both ways. Like it's going to be able to play great defense, but also be able to get back on offense and, and make the plays. So I think that's the biggest, those are the two biggest things that I think we're going to see brought to the Pacers. Um, and then Shane, I know I can ask you about this one. How feasible is a 72 game season starting December 22nd? for the NBA. How feasible is a 72 game season starting around Christmas time uh, for the NBA is that's what they're targeting at the moment. I mean, if, if that is the case, I would rather them just do another short, you know, like 50, 60 game season starting then. Um, because, well, actually, let me ask this. Are they planning on, finishing in you know like early june with the with the yes nba finals well they're also trying to finish before the olympics that's why they're setting december 22nd because they want to finish before the olympics which is going to happen regardless of COVID or not they've already stated that the ioc so they really want to push to finish this before the olympics which puts them in an even greater bind that's also Mm -hmm. a really that's also a really weird situation because if you think about it we will have basketball for basically a full year after that. Because think about it this way. So you have, if you start in December, you go to June, it finishes in June. They go to the Olympics. They do, and they do their stuff in the Olympics. They come home and they are basically right back into. Because they want to, they want to go to a normal schedule. Right. Because they want to start in October for the preseason games, which means it would be, Bam! Right back into it, and so they would have no whoever, like the players who aren't playing in the in the um, Olympics. Olympics, that like anybody who plays in the Olympics, they basically have no off time. 
depending on when their team gets eliminated. But right. yeah. That, yeah. So, I mean, you think about teams like the Lakers, the Clippers, the Raptors, the Celtics, anybody on those teams. Bucks, whatever. Bucks, Pelicans, whatever, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> Warriors. <laughs> yeah, the Warriors are going to be an interesting team. Got to talk about the Warriors. We'll get to them on, on draft night. And uh, what is that next month? Yeah, I, I don't see how feasible this is. Um, I don't think the players are going to sign off on this. If anything, if anything, I still feel like I still like MLK Day seems pretty feasible at this time as well. That's kind of been rumored over the last week. So yeah, MLK Day seems more feasible to me right now. But even then, like, how certain are we that players Valentine's are going to Day? Then they don't have to take their their girlfriends on dates. <laughs> no, I, I think, think what they should do. Is they should start it in they should start it on New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, and just have cool. every single team play on New Year's Eve and have like a fifty game season. Well, I mean, if you're starting on New Year's Eve, then you might as well just do the seventy two and start two weeks before, start on the twenty second or start on Christmas. But I think I think MLK Day is more feasible. But I also ask this question: with everything that's going on in the world, why are like how likely do you think it is that NBA players even want to play in the Olympics this year? Like, does the NBA really why have wouldn't to? They? I, why I, wouldn't they? Well, hang on, Shane. You know, over the last what? I mean, you have to think about it this way. Ten years, the Olympics hasn't been that valuable to many players. It really has. No, but they always talk about how much fun they have doing it. I mean, you know, that's true. You do, you do realize that you do realize that if there's that, there'll probably be a vaccine by then, and they're most definitely the players will be the first to get the vaccine, vaccine. or at least second so in line because. Our country, our world has a weird Money. fascination with celebrities. And... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just saying based on where we are now, we don't know about where the vaccine is going to be at this time. But where we are now, I I think MLK Day is the feasible start point. That just I don't doesn't think... make much sense, though, because that's, yeah. that's a lot farther ahead. And, yeah. And, I think the NBA prides itself on flexibility with this because ultimately they don't necessarily entirely care about the Olympics. What they care about is not next, not this coming season, but the season after that and making sure that starts in October Yeah, or maybe potentially December. Maybe they cut the season down a little bit. Maybe this is a perfect opportunity as Bill Simmons has said on the ringer for a long time. Maybe this is the perfect opportunity to change the schedule to what we always wanted, which is the NBA to start on Christmas day and, because that's kind of when people care about it anyway. A 60-game season instead. I, I, I think ESPN, 72. I'm sure ESPN would be in heaven if they started on Christmas Day. Yeah. Or uh, New Year's. Um, and then let's go to UFC uh, 254. I know Brandon and I are really excited for this main event. So let's just talk about that main event. Khabib Nurmagomedov, Justin Gaethje. Uh I'm sure you're as excited as I am for this fight. How does Gaethje beat uh, Nurmagomedov? 
Brandon, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> what is he asking me? <laughs> I think they're. I mean, they're two very different styles. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think. I think we've already had this conversation before, but like, I think Gates Gatesy is going to have a hard time avoiding getting taken to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it'll be a. It's one of those matches, though, that I can't really choose a winner until I see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see if this goes to the ground. How does Gaethje deal with the ground game? Because it is going to go to the ground inevitably. I don't think Gaethje is going to knock him out in the first two minutes. When yeah. this goes to the ground, Gaethje is a pretty good wrestler. He just never really showed in the UFC. This is his opportunity to show it, but Nurmagomedov is so good on the ground. I say I say he wins by submission, and I would say the third round, um, for me at least. Uh, I just want to uh, shout out one thing really quick uh, before we get to our last thing, which is actually a pop culture topic. I really wanted to speak on this, um, but uh, I am athlete. This is Brandon Marshall's uh, thing. They've done a lot of really interesting and intricate conversations on athletes' money. Uh, talking about Dak Prescott, a bunch of different things. I've really enjoyed these conversations, so I wanted to shout that out really quick uh, before we get to our final topic, um, which is an interesting one. So one of the heads of uh, Google Stadia posted this tweet, and it got me really riled up, and I wanted to talk about it um, because I thought you guys would be an interesting group to talk about this with as well as, as we are gaming fans as well. So Alex Hutchinson, uh, again, one of the major heads at Google Stadia said, the real truth is that streamers should be paying the developers and publishers for the games they stream. They should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content they use. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on this? Because I was, I was floored when I saw oh, this. Oh, this is such a dumb take. It, you, you, you have to buy the game. Right. So here's the, here's, the, here's the thing, right? When you buy the game, you're buying the license to play the game. Yes. And for someone to say that streamers should not only buy the game, but then pay the developers to show the game when you have so many games out there, Two of them, the two of the biggest games currently being Fall Guys and Among Us being games that would not have had the success without streamers. Right, right. And then you have this guy who has the audacity to say, oh, y'all should have to pay. And, and I think someone here... Someone in the comments I, I read earlier put it perfectly. Like, it just sounds like this guy's just butthurt. Like, I mean, like, look, it's the, this is actually the worst take I've ever heard in my life. He continues by saying streamers worry about getting their content pulled because they use music they didn't pay for but they should be more worried about the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. Talking about games uh, like, let's say, Fortnite or Fall Guys that are free, it should be it, it, it's all gone as soon as the publishers decide to enforce it. 
Uh, so that was sort of his continuation on sort of free to play games Wait, with this. What? Hold up. So this guy is saying that people should be worried about playing free to play games and that publishers are going to decide to enforce it, even though the publishers are the ones who made the game free, free to play in the first place. When in fact, what he's not realizing is that these free-to-play games are made free-to-play because they make their money off of microtransactions. For example, if you look at Rocket League, which is now free-to-play, they all their transactions, if you go into their store, you can pay like a bunch of money to get cosmetics, which, by the way, I actually think is the best way of having microtransactions yes. in the game because it's not a it's not directly impacting your chances of winning the game. It is giving you the choice. Hey, here's some cool outfits that you can have if you choose to pay your money. Whereas with something like FIFA, which, or Madden, which I think is incredibly broken these days um, with their pay to win model of, Hey, here, give us a hundred bucks and we'll give you the best players in the game, basically. Um, And even then it's, well, it's by a chance. Ch- it's even then. It's here's a chance of getting the best players in the game, um, and you have to work so hard to actually be well. Right. Like I played Madden, and you have to get a 94 overall team. You literally have to spend hours on end playing the game. Like it's so funny to see the difference in thinking from this guy, Alex Hutchinson, who, if you look at his at the games he's been on, he's been on Spore, Sims, Savage Planet, Far Cry 4, Assassin's Creed 3. These are all AAA games. Then. You look at what this guy level fifty eight designs says in the in the in his thing. He says, "Ah, oh, developers bought her because he doesn't steal enough money from crappy games with popular names slapped on them in illegal microtransactions." I'm an indie developer. I'd be flattered if people played my games to get them noticed. If you feel this strongly about it, right there, indie developers love streamers. As they, they should. love streamers because they get their games popular streamers made fortnite popular they made among us popular they made uh fall guys popular there's all these free-to-play uh first person shooters that streamers jump on all the time apex legends uh rogue rogue leader uh warzone for example even though it's cod right exactly warzone all these free-to-play games that people have no idea about, and then you see them jump on, and it's like, wow, that looks really fun. This opinion, this is only to get you hate. Like, it, it's so dumb. It's such a dumb take. And I have yeah, no time. I'm reading the, I'm reading the comments, and yeah, people are just giving this guy hell. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, he's and he when he's just being such an ass about it too, yeah. like replying to them. I don't know. Um, but I mean, th- I was just so floored by it, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring it on on this show. Shane, your overall thoughts on this take? I mean, I like I I guess I understand where he's coming from, but it's just like I I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's it, it it's just dumb in my opinion it doesn't it, i mean first of all i don't even know how this would work um i mean 
what is it like you can't just take money out of their pocket i mean it, it it'd be one thing if you were gonna say okay twitch you give them a profit and the studio some but they're not gonna agree to that i mean yeah i don't know so a couple of things that frustrate me with this take overall um one is there's something called free advertising that <laughs> is massively important particularly yeah. in streaming and in gaming and that's exactly why developers and publishers give out codes to streamers yeah. to play their game for free. And then, you know, those, those people probably pay microtransactions as well. But let, let's say that they don't. There's a reason why they get free early access codes. There's a reason why I know we don't really all necessarily like EA, but there's a reason that for the Game Changers program. There's a reason for, I mean, even the Game Changers program is a little flawed. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like, there's a reason yeah. that studios try their best to, 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 to help content creators because they want to get their game out there. It's free advertising. It's just like with this yeah. show, too. Like, the more people that watch it, the more people that like it, the more people that talk about it, that, that's free advertising, ultimately, as well, if you want to look at it from a business sense. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it's really funny because Google right away was like, in an interview with 9to5Google, a spokesperson said, the recent tweets by Alex Hutchinson do not reflect those of Stadia, YouTube, or Google. And then meanwhile, Ryan Wyatt, who's Google's global head of gaming for YouTube, tweeted, we believe that publishers and creators have a wonderful symbiotic relationship that has allowed a thriving ecosystem to be created. One that has mutually benefited everyone. YouTube is focused on creating value for creators, publishers, and users. All ships rise when we work together. So it's just a... It's it's funny how like we've seen this sort of of thing come from people in sports. We see it in this. We see it all over. It's an example of how social media, when you're in a position of power, is a bad move because you can say you can just spout off what you your your thoughts. And Be careful about what you're saying. Exactly. It's like. So not saying that we're all necessarily good at it. Right. But it's saying like, if you're in this position, it, it, it's being on social media. You never know what you could say. I mean, I mean, think before you tweet. Yeah. Twitter is a strange place. Um, That's why I'm not on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This like, I think Twitter is great, but you know, it's dangerous at the same time. Yeah. And that is it for today. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Shane. Uh, We will see you back on Sunday for the post show, as always. Uh, Thank you, guys, for a great show. All right. And thank you to all of you who are listening. Hope you are safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you all on Sunday.